This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. I want to speak to you this morning on something that I've titled, What Do You Know? What do you know? Um, and let's just have a little chat and just see where we go. Let's start off. I'm going to read um, 3 John chapter 1 and verse 2. It says... Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. We've been speaking a little bit about prosperity, God's concept of prosperity, not my interpretation of prosperity. And this is an interesting verse because it begins to speak to us a little bit about God's disposition to prosperity. Um, So he says, I wish above all things that you prosper. It's the first phrase. I wish above all things that you prosper. That's a big statement. God, coming out of God's mouth, he's saying, above all else, my desire is that you prosper. Just let me prefix everything by saying this. Get out of money for a minute. Just follow the journey. Follow the journey. Because if you're thinking money, you're going to go the wrong way. God's not saying, I wish above all things that you have a big bank account. He wants that, but if you're thinking that to the exclusion of everything else, we're really going to miss what God's saying. What God's saying is, I wish above all things that you prosper. I wish above all things that my heart's desire and my intention is that you prosper. Why would he say something like that? The invitation that he extends to us is, I'm looking for you and I to get into a meaningful relationship together. Understand who God is. We spoke about the fact that he is the I am that I am. He is the all self-sufficient one. He is completely complete in and of himself. He is the epitome of abundant life. God is everything that resonates abundance, that resonates abundant life, that speaks about prosperity. It's who he is. It's God's disposition. So when God says, I wish above all things that you prosper, what he's really saying is, I know you can't walk into that reality by yourself, but I'll tell you what, it's an invitation for you to connect with me because I can introduce you to everything that you need so that you experience the fullness of life of who I am. When God speaks about, I wish above all things that thing, all, I wish above all things that you prosper. What he's talking about is what does our life look like in the context of relationship with him? It's about abundance. It's about ultimate provision. It's about prospering in who we are and what we do. The thing is, when you start to look at that, we have the realization that when we're talking about prosperity, really it's a, it's a doctrine of liberation. Prosperity is a doctrine of liberation. It's about taking who we are and the limitations and the inhibitions and the restraints that we have and breaking free of those and moving into God's design for who we are. And as we move into God's design, we let go of all of those things and we move into a new dimension, which is defined by who he is. I don't know about you, but for me, when I grew up, there were a lot of people who didn't like the idea of Christianity because their idea of Christianity was very much defined not by their understanding of God, but what they had been taught by religion. And so the result of that was we had lots of people who were taught and were told, well, you shouldn't do this and you should behave like that, and you should change the way that you dress so that you look like this, and you shouldn't be wearing that, and you shouldn't be going to those places, and you shouldn't be meeting with those people, and we shouldn't be mixing with those things. And what ultimately happened is when you engage life from the perspective of religion, it becomes smaller. Religion doesn't actually enlarge your life and enlarge your capacity for living. What it does is it puts constraints on you. What it says is, this is what you need to look like if you're going to be a Christian. So I'm trying really hard to do all the things that they're telling me to do. But ultimately what it does is it makes my life smaller. It makes my life more inhibited. It makes my life more limited. There are plenty of people who are struggling with a lot of things. People struggle with their accepting who they are in themselves and coming to a reality and a realization of who I really am. They look at many aspects to what they see and who they are, and they struggle to accept those things. There are people who look at God and they have a negative disposition about what God is all about. God's standing up there with a big stick waiting to hit me. 
Just wait till I step out of line. I've got bad in, in, interpretations and impressions of who God is. I have fears. I have anxieties. I have reservations. I have addictions. I have propensities that are not always good. I have habits that I wish I could change. There are many things in my life that are limitations that are, that are inhibit who I am and really what I would like to be. And when I enter into religion, all it does is make my world even smaller. It's not a life of abundance. It's not a life of prosperity. But God said, I wish above all things that you prosper. What he's saying is, when you understand prosperity in relationship with me, it is a doctrine of liberation. It's about taking you into freedom. It's about taking you out of all of those constraints, all of those things that limit you, all of those inhibitions. And so you begin to experience life and the fullness of life through me and relationship with me. He's wanting to do some stuff and shift our world a little bit, actually quite dramatically. Prosperity is fundamentally who God is. When we go through life, very often what happens is we, we face all kinds of challenges. And when we find it face challenges, it always comes with constraints and limitations and boundaries. It always comes with a, a promotion and, and a lack, an understanding of how we have lack and inability to do certain things. But that none, none of that exists in God's mind. God's framework and God's disposition is never about my limitations or what I don't have in order to achieve what I need to do. God looks at things and God's disposition is always, I live from abundance. I live from who I am. I have everything within myself to be able to do whatever it is that I want to do. When God created and he said, be, it was, and it was very good. And it continues to be. They talk about the fact that the, the universe that we live in continues to expand. It's getting bigger. It's not getting smaller. It's enlarging. What God gets involved with is always introduced to expansion and newness and fullness and wholeness. I wish above all things that you prosper. But he doesn't just leave it to that, but he carries on. He says, but your ability to be able to prosper and to experience the fullness of what I have for you is directly related to your ability to prosper in your soul. So there's a relationship there that's drawn. If you go back to the original Hebrew, when it speaks about soul, what it's speaking about is mind. What he's saying is to experience my ultimate provision, to experience prosperity, to experience abundance is directly related to your ability to be able to prosper in your mind. Amen. Mind is interesting, but it's a little bit of a blunt instrument. Because when we talk about mind, sometimes people don't always understand what it is that we're talking about. So what I want to do is I want to break things down a little bit. And so that perhaps it's easier for us to gain a context as to what God is saying. When he talks about our mind, our mind really is an assimilation of our individual beliefs when it comes to different things. Your beliefs about a whole bunch of stuff form your mindset, what you believe about God, what you believe about yourself, what you believe about, what you believe about all of those things forms your mindset. It is your disposition, your collection of different attitudes and beliefs about things. So when you're talking about mindset, the thing that's interesting about it is your mindset is made up of beliefs. The thing is, what you believe introduces to what you to what you know what you know is extremely important because what you know begins to form the foundation to your life let me give you an example of what i mean so i have this bottle of water here so if you said to me can you lift that bottle of water i would say yes why because i know that i can lift the bottle of water okay it's a sense of knowing. This is what I know. If you said to me, you'll never be able to lift it because it's made of plastic and it's got water and it's sitting on a table. It doesn't matter what you tell me. The information that you give me is never going to be sufficient to counteract what I know. I know I can lift that. And so the thing about it is, it doesn't matter what you tell me. What you're doing is you using information and argument to try and fight what I know. Because I know it, I know I can lift it and I can make it happen. Your sense of knowing is very important. 
Because what you know becomes the essence of your framework. It becomes the essence of your mindset. These are the things that I know. I'm, co I have, I'm convinced about. It becomes important because what we know becomes the foundation to our life. Now, if you had to say to me, I'll tell you what, could you maybe take 15 of these chairs and stack them? And could you lift those chairs and walk from one end of the sanctuary to the other? I don't know. I don't know. Could I lift it? Maybe. But I don't know. I don't have a sense of knowing. I have some ideas and I think about things, but I don't have a sense of knowing. Our sense of knowing becomes so important because what we know becomes fundamentally the foundation to our life. The thing is, very often what ends up happening is what we don't When we don't mix our knowledge and our sense of knowing with God, what ends up happening is we have a foundation that is not built on him. It's not built on his sense of knowing. And so I end up with a wobbly foundation. And when I end up with a wobbly foundation, it's hard for God to actually build something into my life. That's why he always says that he wants us, our, our ability to be able to accept prosperity in our life is directly related to our ability for our mindset to prosper. As our mindset prospers, as our mindset is made new in the things of him, I get to know certain things, not have ideas about things, not deal with concepts of things, not flit around with different information, but I, I build to myself a sense of knowing that comes from who he is and that sense of knowing is not going to be moved because of what I see or what people tell me it's something that fundamentally I'm established in when my, my, when my foundation is established in him the thing is I can accept the things of God and I can build a life on the things of God The challenge that we have very often is God is trying to do something in people's lives and what he's trying to introduce to us, we don't have a foundation that is established. So what ends up happening is we can't accept the things of God and we can't build a life on the things of God because my, my, my foundation is all wobbly. It's like trying to build a house on sinking sand. It doesn't work. So the foundation of my life becomes really important. The thing that's so interesting to me is your sense of knowing I'll talk about how it comes about a little bit later but you can have a sense of knowing in the things of God or the things outside of God. You decide to, as to what constitutes that sense of knowing about things. Let me give you an example. I use this before because I think it's such a good one. People who are afraid of flying, what happened? Their sense of knowing has been rooted and grounded in a fear of flight. That's what's established the foundation to who they are. Now, this is what's interesting. When we digest something like that and we put it into who we are and it becomes foundational to our life, it becomes part of our mindset, the challenge that we have is we can't get rid of it. Not only that, but what you find is truth or information out in the world, if there is a toss-up between information in the world or what you know, you will always go with what you know. Even if information is completely and directly in opposition to what you know and can prove it. I can sit down with you and I can say to you, flying is the safest form of travel. There are fewer accidents in the air than anywhere else. I can give you all the information and all of it can be compelling and can be absolutely right and correct. But the, the thing about it is ultimately you will go with what you know, not with what the information says. You're still not going to get on that plane. Why? Because your sense of knowing is so strong. That's why God says your mindset is really important to God. Ultimately, your mind and who you are becomes so important to be able to embrace the things of God. Because when we have dispositions and we have building blocks, when we have foundations to who we are that is established in a sense of knowing that's not about him, it's very hard for me to embrace the things of God and walk into the things of God. Your mindset is more important than your environment. We think that my world and my reality is to blame for stuff, but it really isn't. 
Let me give you an example. I'm a big fan of helping people. So let me give you that context firstly. I think you should always help people and help them up in the best way possible. The problem with it is I have a big issue with our social system because you know what our social system believes? Throw money at people. It's the easiest way to solve things. So if you don't have money, what we'll do is we'll just give you money. Because if we give you money, surely that will fix the problem and it'll improve your situation. Over the last number of years, the social budget has swelled enormously. But you know what? America hasn't got any better. Why? Because the idea is that your lack of resources are the problem. Your lack of resources are not the problem. It's the fruit of the problem. The problem is your mindset. The challenge with it is if you really want to affect people, you've got to do, do something different. And something different means I have to be able to get to what is it that is the foundation to your life. It's no point me giving you money if you don't know how to handle money. It's no point me giving you money. It's like putting water in a, in a, a bucket that's got no bottom in it. It just goes one in one in the top and out the bottom. Why? Because I don't have a mindset that understands the value of resources, how to use resources, how to manage resources and how to take it forward. Sometimes I'm in that situation because of my mindset, I make really bad life decisions and I go from one bad life decision to the next. Throwing money at me isn't going to fix my bad decision making. I'll continue to make bad decisions. My mindset becomes so important. Thing about it is this. In our Christianity, we fall into the same trap sometimes. We think everything is all about money. God's like prosperity is not about money. Prosperity is about relationship with me. Because there are going to be some places in your life where you're going to need some things and money can't give it to you. I don't care how much money you have. If you're a person who's struggling with depression, money's not going to help you. If you're somebody who's suicidal, money is not going to help you. Money is not a bad thing. You should have money. And I'll speak about that, not today, but I will speak about that. You should have it. The problem with it is it's hard to talk about prosperity to a lot of people because the default is always, what about money and my bank account? And so what I do is I miss all of that God is trying to do in certain arenas. Isaiah chapter um, 55 and verses 8 and 9, it says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. As my thoughts are higher than your than the earth, so as my for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. You know what he's saying? God is saying, "I'm liberated from the realities that you might face." And so the thing is, the way that I view situations, the way that I view you, the way that my perspective on things is elevated above yours. So the thing is, I look at things from a perspective of I'm all in all and I can do whatever I want to do. So God's perspective is very different to ours. What ends up happening is God saying, my thoughts, thoughts, ultimately he's talking about his mind. He's talking about my mindset is different to yours. My mindset is more elevated than yours. Thing of is, what God's saying to us is something so phenomenal because what he's saying is, I want you to have my mindset. What he says is, my thoughts, my mindset is elevated. And as a result of that, the way that I live is very different to the way that you live. The thing is, I've created an opportunity for you to participate in my mindset so that you can live the way that I live. So what he says is, have the mind of Christ. Have the mind of Christ. What is he saying? If you open to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, if you want to participate in God's mindset and you want to approach life from God's mindset, his invitation is to have the mind of Christ, have the mindset of Christ. When we talk about being conformed to the image of Christ, it's basically saying the same thing. He's not talking about looking like Christ. He's talking about developing the same mindset as, as Christ. Because when the foundation of our life and what I know, those things that establish who I am, are the same as who he is, I begin to live very differently. I view my circumstances and situations from a totally different paradigm to what the average person does. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16 I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. It says, For who has known the mind and purposes of the Lord so as to instruct him? 
but we have the mind of Christ to be guided by his thoughts and his purposes. God is looking for us to live differently. God is looking for us to live the way that he would live. God is looking for us to be at a place where we can engage life from his perspective. When we talk about prosperity, what we're talking about is we're talking about walking through life in relationship with God. The I am that I am, the all-sufficient one, the one who is the epitome of abundant life. And when I walk through life with him, I allow him to manifest himself in me and through me. Anytime I participate and I get engaged with God and I allow him to influence who I am, what he's doing is he's touching parts of who I am that allows me to experience who he is in my world. How do I get to have God manifest in me? Through his word. Through his word. We allow God to manifest who he is through his word. John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hmm. If you abide in my word, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The, the, the equation is quite an interesting one because he says, if you abide in my word, you will know the truth. He doesn't say you will think the truth. He doesn't say you will have ideas about truth. He says you will know the truth. He's getting back to a sense of knowing, a sense of knowing you will know the truth. It's not the truth that sets you free. It's knowing the truth that sets you free. It's getting to that place on the inside of me where my knowledge of that begins to establish the foundation of my life. If you abide in my word, if you abide in my word, God communicates to us through the word. It speaks about his word, but really God communicates to us through his ideas. If you have a look at um, the whole proverb of the sower sows the word. What he's talking about is he's taking about who he is and how he's able to take from who he is and see that into our heart, see that into our mind, our mindset. He's wanting to take of who he is and put it into us, put it on the inside of us. It's the way God takes his ideas about things and he invests it in us, but his word brings about change and transformation. The thing about God's word is God wor God's word carries with it a supernatural power. And so as a result of that, it's able to bring about and change things in my life and in my heart that I'm not able to do in and of myself. So it's important that I, I get his word. I go through life and I let him see that. If you abide in my word, you will know the truth. It's as a result of getting into that place where we allow his word to become what we know. It becomes the solid thing. It's like the water. Okay, can you do this? I don't know. You don't have a sense of knowing. I don't have a sense of knowing. I hope I can, but I don't know. Can you lift the water bottle? I know I can. I know I can. He wants to infuse and he wants to own. He wants to define our sense of knowing in every area of life. Okay, so you have a challenge that's in front of you. Do you know that you can deal with that? I don't know. I hope so. I don't have a sense of knowing. In every area of our life, what God is looking to do is for us to go to him and to engage him through his word. And as we allow his word to inform who we are, and we spend our time meditating on that, what ends up happening is it brings about change and transformation who, in who we are. It brings about a redesign and a, a, a redefinition of our foundation. Psalm 1 says, blessed is the man, blessed is the man. It's talking about what we do in order to be blessed. And it jumps to verse 2. Um, His delight is in the law. His delight is in the law of the Lord. It's Old Testament. 
his delight. If in a modern day context, we would say his delight is in the rhema. His delight is in truth. And on his truth, he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by the streams of water. Bears its fruit in season. And his leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Truth, established in truth. Truth becomes so important for us. When we talk about the mind, and we talk about the fact that we have a mindset, what's so interesting is you're not born with a mindset that is pre-established. We're born with a mindset that's looking for definition. Our mindset is always crying out, who am I? It's interesting because when God created man, he said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And he created in man something called a mindset. When we come out, the thing that we're always looking for and the answer that I really want to know is, who am I? Who am I? I want to know. I want to know. What am I looking for? I I have within me a void. There's something on the inside of me that's looking for definition, that's looking to be able to grab hold of something so that I can sit and say, I know who I am. I know who I am. And the funny thing about it is until we fill that void, it's unstable. It has an insatiable appetite that's always looking to be fed. It's looking for that void to be filled. Tell me who I am. And the funny thing is, sometimes we can even get an answer to that that's outside of God. But as long as we get something, it, 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 it fills that place. The problem with it is we live from what defines it. So it becomes really important that we begin to consider carefully about what we allow to give definition to those things. And so it opens up a whole complexity to who we are. Because the fact of the matter is, none of us had perfect parents. And from the moment you were born and from the moment you came out, yeah, actually there, there's science that even proves that before you even come out of the womb, there's a side to you on the inside that's sitting saying, who am I? Who am I? Am I accepted? Am I loved? Am I affirmed? What? It's looking for it in the womb. And the thing about it is we're so funny because we use language and we think, well, the kids can't understand language and they don't understand, but they do because there's such things as body language. When you touch things, when you express things, you can do it in ways that doesn't necessarily require words. But people get that. It's like I have a, a sense of value as a result of the way that you treat me. I don't need words for that. But as a child comes into the neighbor, uh, into the neighborhood, <laughs> comes into the neighborhood as well. But as a child comes into the world, the challenge that the child has is it's born with who am I? And the problem with it is that the first person to get, the, the, the first people to get to touch the mindset are the parents, not God. And so although we're well-intentioned, what ends up happening is we don't always do a perfect job. <laughs> We try our best, but we don't do a perfect job. And so what ends up happening is, that's why so many people during our formative years, so much of who I am is being fed in that space. And so when I come to a place where I finally meet God, God comes in and, and, and I meet him and I sit and say, I, I, love, I love what you, what I see and who you are and what you're all about. The funny thing about it is he looks at us and he loves us for who we are. But then we start the process of sitting saying, hold on a moment. There's a disconnect because I see something in myself that is different to who he is. And I want to change those things. God creates a, uh, an opportunity. I'm going to speak about that in a minute. It, why that's so important. The, the, there is an opportunity that exists for you. Let me get to that in a minute. The point that I want to make at this stage is just the fact that there is a side to us that always has an appetite that's looking for definition it's always looking to know who i am to know what i'm all about how do my how does my sense of knowing come about it comes about as a result of my beliefs your belief is an expression of where you invest your trust and your trust doesn't always have to be in the things of god the good example is someone who's afraid of flying. I've invested my trust in the fear that if I get on that plane, something bad's going to happen. 
And as a result of investing my trust in that, what I've done is I've given it access to my life, access to the most sacred part to who I am. And what it does is it comes in and what it begins to do is it begins to define that space. And so I will live from that sense of knowing. It begins to give definition to my perspectives on things, how I feel about stuff, what I think about stuff, what I speak about comes from that place, what I feel comes from that place, what I think comes from that place. What you know is so important. It begins to define what we call our philosophy. Each of us has a personal philosophy to life. Your philosophy is really your interpretation of truth as it, as, it as it relates to yourself, God, the world, and your interaction with those things. That's your philosophy. Your philosophy is the collection of I knows that constitute you, because that's what you'll live by. That's why God says, guard your heart with all diligence. What he's saying is, when he talks about guarding your heart, what he's saying is, guard the most sacred space to who you are. Guard that place which is your mindset. Because if you guard that space which is your mindset, what you'll do is you'll be really, really selective in what you allow into that place. What you prepare to invest your trust in. Because what you invest your trust in begins to define your foundation. And what defines your foundation is what becomes prescriptive of your philosophy to life. And I begin to live from that. My philosophy to life. People have philosophies from all kinds of things because all of us have come from different places. And some people have philosophies that have been birthed as a result of being born on the wrong side of the tracks. My life was hard when I was brought up in that. The environment that I was brought in, into has given definition to who I am. Some people have philosophies that are born because I'm an immigrant and how I feel about that. People have philosophies about all kinds of things. The question is, is the philosophy that you're holding on to truthful or isn't it? Because the truth will set you free. But if you buy into philosophies, uh, if you buy into ideas that are not truthful, what will end up happening is it forms a mindset that inhibits you. It doesn't walk you into the fullness of life, but it'll always walk you into restrictions inhibitions, limitations. What ends up happening is when I buy into the wrong thing and allow it to give a sense of knowing to me, I blame everything in my world. It's never my fault. It's always something else outside of me that's responsible for my situation. Psalms, uh, sorry, Proverbs 23, verse 7, it says, As a man sinketh in his heart, so is he. Sinketh is, in the original um, Hebrew, speaks about calculates. Calculates. What it's really saying is, as a man calculates in his heart, as a man takes the different options that are available to, me, to him and forms a life philosophy of those things, is how he's going to live. It, you live from what you know. What I know. Knowing truth is living from the Father's nature. When it speaks about you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Knowing truth is knowing what the Father's nature is. It's being defined by the nature of God. Taking what is of him and allowing him to come into that space and redefine that sense of who I am, what I know. It's interesting because if you have a look at Jesus' life, Jesus went about and what Jesus did everywhere he went, he brought about change and transformation. It wasn't because of what he had. It was because of who he was. It was because of who he was. This is what I know. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. What was he saying? I've spent so much time with the father that I've allowed who he is to give definition to what I know. And because of that, the foundation to my life is one where I'm able to accept the things of the Father, I'm able to build on the things of the Father, and I'm able to introduce the things of the Father into my world. The reason he was rich, Jesus was rich in all that he did, was because his life was built on the I am that I am, the all-sufficient one. 
The wonderful thing about it is, when God says to us, and the Bible speaks about having the mind of Christ or be conformed to the image of Christ, if you think about that, it's like, well, why didn't he just say, look like the Father? Essentially, he did. Because the way that we look like the Father is through Jesus, is through Christ, actually. Because he was the one who went and died for us. So when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father but by me, what he was saying was, when you get to the place where you have an an intimate relationship with me as a result of what I've done, I've paid the price so that I can introduce you to who the Father is, who is truth. It's the only way that you're going to do do it. But in that space, when I introduce you to truth, what I'm introducing you to is the nature of the Father. And as the nature of the Father comes in, the nature of the Father will begin to inform and change who you are. It begins to, to establish something on the inside of us. It begins to inform my sense of knowing. Isaiah 55 verses 11 says, In the same way with my word I send it out, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all that I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. When our life is established and built on, on what God's word, we establish and build our lives on the ground roots of prosperity. And when we live from that, it gives us what we need to be able to move forward in life and introduce that into our life. As we journey through life at a very practical level, life is always going to throw challenges at us. It's full of all kinds of issues with regularity. The question really becomes, do we live from our reality or do we live from truth? You see, what we see will always reveal our reality to us. But who we are introduces truth. So we have a choice to make in terms of what it is that we want to do. If you have a look at at Israel, God took Israel and liberated them out of Egypt and he brought them across and he introduced them to who he was and he got them to a place where he said I've taken you out of bondage I freed you and I've brought you to a place where really what I want to do is I want you to walk into the fullness of prosperity and everything that I have for you and so they're standing at the border saying do we walk into God's prosperity or don't we and so he sends some spies out to go and have a look at it and if you have a look at numbers Chapter 13, verses 27 and 28, it says, We went into the land to which you sent us, and it flowed with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are very powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. Basically, it's talking about giants. The thing is, God brought them and liberated them from where they were. He took them on a journey and he put them at a place where he was sitting saying to them, okay, fine, I want to introduce you to the fullness of life that I've provided for you. I want to introduce you to prosperous living. So I've prepared a place for you. And in that space, there were two different perspectives. The the reality didn't change. The reality was exactly the same. But you had a whole bunch of people who had a look at that reality and they said, we are moved because of our relationship with our reality. Our relationship with our reality has given definition to our our disposition to things. These are the challenges. These are the problems. This is what's going on. But he had two people who sat and said, you know what? The reality is very much what you said. But the thing is, what I know is my God has called us and my God has said, I've provided for us this provision. I've provided for you this prosperity. So let's step in. Where do you fall in life? All of us are going to have challenges with regularity. But where our Christianity becomes practical is when you face that, the thing that you get into relationship is with is what is given access to define what I believe, what I know. If we talk about our situations and our circumstances and we look at every one of the, the challenges that you have is going to come with issues. 
I don't have the ability to do this. I don't know how to do this. I don't know if I will have the wherewithal to do this. I see the big hurdles. I see the big problems. If you have a look at the country right at the moment, there are so many challenges in so many areas. Politically, in terms of my kids are at school and the things that my kids come home with from school is shocking. You have a look at school boards and things. You look at those things and you think, well, how am I supposed to change that? I don't know. Are you defined by your reality? Or do you go to God and you sit and say, God, you know what? I need for you to birth something on the inside of me. Speak to me about this because I need to hear your word. But when I hear your word and I get your direction, it'll introduce to me a sense of knowing. And when I have that sense of knowing, it really doesn't matter what's happening out there because I'm able to move forward between you and me into, into the future that you've provided for me. Something has to, do, to give definition to those things. All too often we live in a place where, where we moved and, and we are so sensitive to our reality, more sensitive to our reality than we should be to God. And the end, uh, what we end up doing is we end up losing God's promise to us. We end up compromising prosperity because the thing is we don't think we can do it and we walk away from it. I'll do this next week. There's some very real issues happening in our world right at the moment. And there's some very real issues in our country. I don't think that the solution is going to be found outside of God. And so I believe that we have a responsibility which goes beyond our life and my immediate environment that affects something so much broader. I want to encourage you as you, you look at big events. Don't just ignore them and think something else will come of it. But I really want to encourage you to get beyond yourself and your world and sit and say, Father, how do I have an influence in that space? I think sometimes we're limited because we feel, number one, we look at ourselves and our limitations. My encouragement to you would be this. Look beyond yourself. Look to him. I, I, cannot, I, I cannot underscore enough the importance of relationship with God because it, it's in a very practical way, it's, it's, it's the foundation to our Christianity. It's the foundation to your sense of knowing. If you don't get that from God, where do you get it? You don't get it. It's like, well, I hope it happens. The world lives with hope. The thing is, I've I got to get with God. And it's all very well saying, okay, you know, God says that my life is blessed. Okay, that's great. That's a broad principle. How does he want to bless your life? I don't really know. He does. It's important for me, I believe this as a Christian, that we cultivate an intimacy with him. And everything that we have, we take to him and we spend time with him. Because I've got to find his direction and his will. Christianity isn't about running off and doing what it is that I want to do. Even taking scripture in a broad principle and applying it to my will and then asking God to bless it. 
I thank you, Father, that you bless everything that I put my hand to. And I think it gives me license to go and run out and do whatever I want to do and then ask God to bless it. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. It works when I get to the place where I have intimacy and relationship with him and I'm able to hear his voice. And when I take things to him, he's able to speak to me so that I can hear it and I take it and I act on it. Sometimes I think we discount our ability to have influence because we marginalize the power of prayer. We think if I'm not there doing something, nothing happens. But the Bible is full of stories of people who prayed for things and change happened. There are some things at a macro level you may never have the opportunity to directly influence. I don't know. I live in Warrington, Virginia. I mean, yeah. I don't know that I could do that in and of my own capacity. But God may sit and say to you, you know what? When you start to pray about those things, he'll say, you know what? I want you to start to do some things spiritually that begin to bring about change. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. What it means is this. I don't have to be there to bring about change. I understand that I can deal with things from a spiritual perspective and allow spiritual influence to come about in that place and bring about change. What do you know? What do you know? My encouragement to you for the week that lies ahead at a practical level. See, while, while you're out watching the news headlines, doing whatever you're doing. Something's going to resonate with you. It's going to touch you. And when it touches you, my encouragement is this. Take it to God. Why did that touch me? There are lots of things happening in the world. Why did that something affect me? You know why? Because the minute that happens, that's your spirit responding. Most, there are plenty of things that happen in my life that never really affect me. It's just it's stuff that goes on. But there are times where something will happen and there's something, there's a response, there's some kind of a reaction on the inside of me and I know that it's touched something deeper. When something touches you deeper, take it to God. Why did that touch me? Talk to me about it. Hear what he has to say and then come into agreement with him. If any two earth agree as touching anything, there's a principle of agreement. It doesn't only relate to people, but it relates to God. The challenge with it is very often when I don't have a foundation that's established in him, what ends up happening is he wants me to come into agreement with him because he wants to take some things of him and introduce them to my life. And I can't do it because I don't see things the way he does. There's an incongruence between the two of us. But when I allow the Holy Spirit to come in and do some stuff, it changes who I am. Oh, I know what I was going to tell you. I was just going to show you one thing and then we'll be finished. Um, Galatians 5.1 says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. You know what that means? It means it doesn't matter what you know right at the moment. If you know something that is outside of his will, what he's saying is, it is for freedom that I've come to set you free. What you know doesn't have to live there any longer. The reason that we need a savior is because very often we can't get rid of what we know. We try to manage what we know, and even what we know, it's like people who are afraid of flying. I try and do the right thing, and I, I try and do what I, but I, I can't change it. Why? Because it's part of, of my foundation. It's established in there. Why I need a savior is because not only does he create an opportunity for me to spend eternity with him, but what he's saying is, I want for my abundance of life, my prosperity to come in and flood your life. And so those areas that are kind of like barnacles stuck on the inside and you can't get rid of them and they're affecting your life and how you live and how you see things and how you behave and how you speak and how you feel. He's like, I can change it. All things are possible to him that invest their trust in me. If you invest your trust in me, If you invest your trust in me, 
you will be saved. For with the heart, man invests his trust, and with the mouth, confession is made to salvation. You can change stuff with God. You're not stuck. God is inviting you into freedom. Do you want it? Do you want it? The thing is this. It's so simple to do. Confess and allow him to introduce you to truth. Do both. Because the problem with it is if you confess it and he comes in and cleans it out, you have a big hollow and he needs to refill it. If he doesn't refill it, it'll come back. So he, he needs to, to refill it with something. At the end of the service, what I'm going to do is, I would like, you, if you somebody who's out there and you're sitting saying, you know what, I've got some barnacles. I've got some stuff. I've been thinking some things. I know some things. Some things are part of my foundation and I don't want to be them. I don't want them to be there anymore. I want you to come to the front because there will be people who will pray with you and people who will take you through a process of confessing, getting rid of, and introduce you to newness so that you can walk into something which is truth as opposed to something which keeps you inhibited and keeps you enslaved. Can we please stand? Father, I just speak blessing over every person here today. I want to thank you that you've given us something called a mindset. You've created who we are. And it's made up of so many disparate parts. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come in and just to flood our beliefs. Those areas that are incongruent with you, that are outside of your context, outside of your will, I pray that you just highlight them to us. I want to thank you, Jesus, for the price that you paid so that you can live in our life as the Savior, as the overcomer, as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I want to thank you that as we come to you and we just confess those areas, I want to thank you that you come in and you fill them with newness, you fill them with truth, you liberate us and you set us free, not only moving it out, but filling our lives, filling those voids, filling every area of our life with the abundance of who you are. I pray for the week ahead. I pray, Father, that you'll work with each person here. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to touch their spirits with regard to something that's bigger than them. Give them a challenge and invite them to have influence on a broader stage. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. And bless you for it now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.